0: Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I wanna thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I wanna take a moment and welcome everybody who's watching online this morning or listening by podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you just put your hands together and just thank them for being here with us? And if you live anywhere near our church in Dallas, Georgia, As a matter of fact, if you're within five hours of driving distance, you should come and check us out one Sunday morning. We will not let you down. We are the friendliest church in probably the world. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today that I'm really excited about. It's called Not Another Thanksgiving Series. And I thought, man, that's so cool because, like, obviously we're stepping into the Thanksgiving season, but I don't want to do just like a typical... Thanksgiving series, I want to do something different. So this is not just another Thanksgiving series. Although we will be talking about giving thanks and we will be talking about the holiday itself because I love Thanksgiving. It is a fat man's dream. (laughs) That's the one day of the year that I have the best excuse to eat the way I want to eat all the time. And I love Thanksgiving, and I was thinking about it. A lot of my memories growing up that I have that that, that are so dear to me are centered around this holiday of Thanksgiving, getting together with the family. I remember we would go up to Soddy Daisy, Tennessee, and on Thanksgiving Day, all the guys would go outside and we would shoot guns until we came in and we ate turkey, we ate ham, we ate deer, we had all the fixings. My grandmother made all kinds of chocolate pies. Then we would get in the car. And drive down to Mableton, Georgia, to my other family. And let me tell you something. My other family knows how to eat. As a matter of fact, if you start losing weight, I did this. In high school, I started losing weight. People want to know, are you on drugs? You okay? You know, because we eat. I mean, Armenian people, that's how they celebrate life. We eat. You're happy. You eat. You're sad. You eat. You get a promotion. Guess what you do? You eat. eat. You go to church. You know what you do after church? You eat. And for our family in Mableton, every Sunday, some of you all have heard me talk about this, but every Sunday was like Thanksgiving because our entire family, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my grandparents, we all came to my grandparents' house and they would have a spread of food. I mean, I'm talking about multiple meats, not just one meat, not just fried chicken, but there'd be baked chicken. Not just poultry, but she would do a roast beast. There'd be roast beef there. We would have chicken wings. We would have multiple kinds of bread. We would have biscuits. My aunt would make homemade bread. We'd have, we'd have casseroles. Has anybody in this room ever been to my grandparents' house on a Sunday lunch? Scott's been there. Randy's been there. So you know what I'm talking about. Am I right? It's a big deal. And everybody would line up, and you would go around the kitchen island, and you would make your meal, and then you would go and sit down at the table. Now, my grandparents had this very long table that seated all of the adults. Now, I never graduated from the kiddie table to the adult table. Even into my 20s, being married, my wife and I sat at the kiddie table. But the, the, but the adult table was very long, and what was fascinating about the adult table is When they would get down there, like you have several, and those of you who know my family know this, you've got a lot of personality sitting around that table. A lot of big personality with a lot of different opinions. And so that table could get very heated very quickly. Arguments could erupt. Differences of opinion would take place. Serious conversations would happen at the table. But then like all of a sudden out of nowhere, It would roar with laughter and everyone would laugh and have a good time. And when I thought about the table, I I, I was thinking about the fact that even though everybody was so different, even though everybody had different opinions and different views on things, at the end of the day, they were all still family. They all still loved one another and they all belonged at this table. And that's really a beautiful picture for the church. Because how many of you know, not everybody in the church is going to look like you, act like you, think like you, dress like you. Here's a big one. Not everyone in the church is going to vote like you. And some of the people around the table, I'll just be honest because I've been around church for a long time. Some of you, you're newly saved and you don't know this yet. But some of the people that come to the table are going to be a little bit strange Seem a little bit crazy. I remember this guy growing up in my dad's church. And for those of you who are around at that time, you'll know this person. And I'll, I will change his name for, you know, his safety. Just so if he shows up here, you're not like, there's the weird one. <laughs> so we'll call him Bob. Bob was a wee little man. But he, what, he, what, what he lacked in stature, he made up for in weirdness. And I remember... One year we were doing an Easter drama, and Bob decided he was going to be a Roman soldier, which was hilarious because, again, he was a wee little man with a big little helmet. And so he looked like Marvin the Martian, the Looney Tune, you know, and that, that visor's down over his thing. And we should have known, we should have known that something was off when, during our Easter practice, Bob said, and this is the moment where the soldier draws first blood. The first night of the Easter play, Bob is escorting our Jesus across the stage. And he decides it's time to draw first blood. (laughs) And he takes the whip that's in his hand and he takes the butt of the whip and he drives it into the back of the head of our Jesus. Hits him so hard that our Jesus drops to his knees in pain. Now they have to walk down the aisle, out the auditorium to get ready for the next scene. And when Jesus gets out in the hallway with Marvin the Martian, he looks at him and he says, look here, Bob, Jesus or not, you touch me again like that and I'm going to whip your donkey. And that's, that's, the, that's the good version. That's the good version. The next night, Bob the Martian shows up with what, we, what is known as a medieval flail. Do y'all know what a flail is? It's got the chain with the ball with the spikes on it. And uh, Scott's mom over here, she was our drama director, and they were like, we got to get this away from this guy. I mean, I've got so many stories about Bob that I go through. One night, my dad's in a prayer service, and he's praying And Bob decides he's going to jump up on the stage and strike a He-Man pose. And he just stands there in this He-Man pose until Gavin, who's sitting out there, Gavin's dad, who was the head usher, politely removed him from the stage. Bob was strange. Bob showed up one night. Bob showed up to church dressed like Gene Simmons from Kiss. Bob Bob was the kind of guy that when he walked in, you went, I want to keep an eye on Bob. But, you know, here's the, here's the thing as I was thinking about it, and as I grew older and I would communicate with Bob and we would have these conversations and I would hear where he came from and his story and his family history, like, things started making sense. And when I was thinking about him the other day, I realized, like, as weird as Bob was and as strange as the things that he did, he still belongs at the table. He's still welcome. He's still family. He's still loved. And I want you to know today, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, please hear what I'm saying today. You are loved by God, and you have a seat at the table, and you belong just as much as the next person, and no one should look down on you. You are precious in the sight of Jesus. I remember that old song, red and yellow, black and white. You are precious in his sight. But here's the kicker, and here's what we have to hear as a church. Not only are they precious in the sight of Jesus, but they should be precious in our sight too. Uh-oh. See, it's, it's one thing when we sit here and we talk about, yeah, Jesus loves them. He loves the Republican. He loves the Democrat. We know he loves Trump because he's his trumpet. But we know, oh, and when he loves Biden too. You know, and we, we hear all this and we, we clap our hands. But then when it's like, well, you need to love them as well. It's like, we'll say, well, no. You don't know them. You don't know what they've done. You don't know where they've been. And we mess up here. Because if we're going to be the church... If we're going to be the body of Christ, then everybody that comes to the table has to be welcomed as a brother and as a sister. And I don't care how strange they look. I don't care if they show up with green hair a mohawk and, and piercings in every place that you could imagine a piercing to be. They belong at the table. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse 20, it says, If you say that you love God and hate your brother, do you know what it says about you? You're a liar. It says, how can you say that you love of God that you've never seen and at the same time hate the man or the woman that you do see? See, we got to get real, church. If we're going to be the difference maker in our world, it's going to be because we love the way Jesus loves and we can't allow opinions And we can't allow people's issues to get in the way of how we love. And we're going to be a church that loves fiercely no matter who the person is or no matter where they came from because we want to love them where they are so that God can take them where he wants them to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We love them where they are so that God can take them where he wants them to be. I love the story of Zacchaeus in Luke, the 19th chapter, because he's another wee little man. Like Bob. Marvin the Martian. And if you read the story about Zacchaeus, he's a chief tax collector. People hated him. The reason they hated him is because not only would he take money from his fellow people to give to the Romans, but he would overcharge them To pad his own pocket. In other words, these tax collectors were like mobsters of the day. And they were hated. They they were disgusting people. And Zacchaeus knew that he was a bad guy. Zacchaeus knew that he had done some wrong. But one day he hears that Jesus is coming. And I want you to see what Zacchaeus does. And I want you to see how Jesus responds to him. Because this is how we should respond to every single person we come into contact with. Watch this. In Luke the 19th chapter starting in verse 2. The Bible says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not. Sometimes we get in the way of people trying to find Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Account of the crowd, he he couldn't make his way through. He was so short, he couldn't see over them. Sometimes our opinions and our Preferences get in the way of other people. Do you know there's a local church? And this blew me away when I heard this. Because they're not a church of Jesus Christ, they're a church of Satan. But this man went to visit this church locally here, it was either in Dallas or Hiram. And he walked in. And as he was headed towards the door, two of the men from the church met him at the door and they said, we can go ahead and tell you this isn't going to be a place for you. Based upon the way the man looked, what are they doing? They're getting in the way of a man who wants to see Jesus. They're getting in the way of a man who is searching for Jesus. They don't know anything about this man. He could be broken hearted. He could be lost. He could be on his way to hell and he hears about this Jesus and he tries to go to the church, but instead of the church welcoming him in, they say, hey, we don't have any room for you here. That's disgusting. Let me tell you something about Activation Church. Everybody is welcome here until you unwelcome somebody. Did you hear what I just said? I have the legal right to say you cannot come here anymore. And I will do that if you are prejudiced against any person because they don't look the way you look or think the way you think or act the way you act. That doesn't mean that I'm okay with sin because I'm not okay with sin. But they have to have an opportunity to hear the gospel so that the gospel can transform them. We don't transform people. Jesus transforms them. But what happens if we stand in the way and we stiff arm them? Because they don't look the way we want them to look or they don't act the way we want them to act. And that's what's happening here. Zacchaeus, he can't get close to this Jesus that he's heard about because he was short in stature. Verse 4 says, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree so that he could see him. For he was about to pass that way, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house." Wow! So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, when the people saw it, watch how the people responded. They all grumbled, "He has gone into be the guest of a man who is a sinner." And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. In other words, Jesus says to him, People hate you. People are mistreating you. People are casting you out of their group because of what you look like. But Jesus did not look and see the filth and the sin and the dirt of Zacchaeus. He saw someone who was created in the image of God. All the people, all they could see is the sinner. But Jesus saw the treasure in a tree. He saw the treasure in the tree, and that's the kind of people that I want us to be. I want us to be the kind of people, Sean, that we don't look at the outward appearance, but we look at people for who they were called to be in Christ Jesus, a son, a daughter of God, and each person carrying great treasure inside of them. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Yeah, it may be covered up, It may be hidden, it may not be easy to see, but there is a treasure inside of each and every one of you and you are loved and you are valuable. And Jesus today says, I love you where you are so I can get you where I want you to be. You know, sometimes the greatest treasures in life are hidden in the most ordinary places. Think about that. I was talking to a guy the other day. I remembered a story from when I was a kid, so I called him just to get all the details correct, and his brother-in-law used to work for Atlanta Gaslight, and one day he went into this lady's house to relight her pilot light, and he had to go up into the attic, and when he got up there, he saw what was in the shape of a guitar, but he couldn't tell what the guitar was because it was so covered in dirt, it was so covered in dust, it was really thick on it. But he told the lady, he said, look, I like guitars. I like restoring old guitars. Can I buy it from you? And she was like, that piece of junk, just take it with you. So he took it with him. Well, when he got home, he started scrubbing all the dust off, and he got started with the headstock, and the first thing he sees is Gibson. He keeps on cleaning, gets down to the serial number, calls his brother-in-law, who knows about guitars as well. They look up the serial number, and it's one of the original Gibson guitars. The man polished it up and sold it for $6,000. That's back like 20, 30 years ago that he sold it for $6,000. But the lady overlooked it because it was such an ordinary place and it was covered with filth and dirt. But what I want you to see today is God places great treasure in ordinary places. If you think about the old Testament tabernacle, where God's presence was. It's covered in animal skin. Very ordinary. And now he says, you are the vessel. You're dirty. You're filthy. You're flawed. You're jacked up. We all are. The Bible says we've all sinned. Hello? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But he says... I see a treasure in you, and I'm gonna place my spirit in you. And because of that, you don't have to stay where you are. See, Jesus, through scripture, you'll regularly find him hanging out with people that no one wanted to have anything to do with. He hung out with the sinners, he hung out with the tax collectors, he hung out with the, the prostitutes, he hung out with people that nobody wanted to be around, but he did it not because he was okay with their lifestyle. But because he knew if he could have an encounter with them, he could change who they were and he could begin to dig that treasure out of them. That's who we got to be. As a church, we can't see the flesh of the people. As a matter of fact, when you see someone walking around, all you should see is a treasure. And our job is to welcome the people into the church so that Jesus can do what only he can do. Remember what I said, the transformation's not up to you. It's up to God, and that's between God and that individual. But you play a part in it, and the first part you play is welcoming people. And sometimes it, it seems strange, and sometimes it may get a little weird, sometimes it may get a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. The Bible says the horse, the, the stall that doesn't have any dung, that also doesn't have an oxen. Hello? In other words, if, if you want an ox in your stall, you're gonna have to deal with some dung. And sometimes in the church, when you're reaching people, it gets a little messy. I remember years ago when we were doing our our youth ministry that grew so rapidly. Kids were coming from all over the place. And they were the type of kids that most churches would not allow at their church. As a matter of fact, it made church folk uncomfortable, and they didn't want to bring their kids to youth group because they didn't want their kids to be around those kids. And somebody confronted me one day, and they were like, I cannot believe that y'all allowed those type people into the church and I said I remember I said this I was I was so wise at 17 years old I said do you fish he said yeah I said do you clean a a fish before you catch it he said no I said neither do we God's called us to be fisher of men we're not here to clean fish you can't clean fish you need to be cleaned yourself All we do is attract the fish through talking about the goodness of God and the love of Jesus and expressing that love because if you're not showing the love that you're talking about, the Bible says you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal and we've got so many noisy gongs and clangy cymbals that wear crosses around their neck but there's no love of God in them. That's not how we're gonna be. We're gonna be a church that loves all people, that welcomes all people, Hear me, not because we're okay with their lifestyle, not because we're okay with any kind of sin that's in their life, but we know that their only hope of transformation is having an encounter with Jesus, and we cannot stand in the way of it. Right. The second thing that jumped out to me in the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, was that sycamore tree. Now get this. He was so short he couldn't see Jesus. Jesus. And so he used the resource of this tree. And I started thinking, somebody at some point in time decided, I'm going to plant a tree. I'm going to plant this sycamore tree. Not knowing that that tree would be written about in our holy scripture. Not knowing that one day we'd be talking about that same tree. But that tree is so interesting to me that that tree became the platform. For Zacchaeus to encounter Jesus. And when I thought about the type of church that I want to be, not only do we want to welcome people, but we want to be the type of church that's planting trees. What am I saying? That we are creating a platform for people to see Jesus. Why are we building buildings? Because we're planting a tree. See, the building to me is meaningless. The fixtures and the chairs, they're meaningless. The value is the person who sits in the seat. The value is the person who comes to the doors. And I want to make sure that we are always planting trees so that if a Zacchaeus comes along, there is a place that they can come and they can see Jesus, they can hear Jesus, and they can be invited in to come sit at the table with people that love them. And I want to brag on y'all for a moment, because we've had some new guests come into our church over the past few months, and they rave about how friendly our church is and i want to say thank you to each and every one of you for being thank uh, to for being welcoming and to being loving to all kinds of people And I want to encourage you to continue doing that. Continue building and developing relationships with one another. Find the person who looks alone. Find the person who seems to be an outcast. Find the person who seems to be a misfit and go and reach out to them and show them that somebody really cares about them. You know, when I was a senior in high school, when our youth group started growing, because of the growth and the explosion of our youth group, people knew who I was. And so at school, everybody knew who I was. And in school, for those of you who remember, you had a table that you sat at. Y'all remember that? And so the skaters sat with the skaters, the punks sat with the punks, you know, the preps sat with the preps, the the jocks sat with the jocks. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And everybody had their table. And I realized, you know, I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go sit at a table that I don't normally sit at. And I found this table of these people that nobody knew. It was the type of people that people would have made fun of. And I started eating with them, and I started talking with them. Did you know that every single one of them ended up coming to church? One night I had, me personally, I had 30 guests show up to church in one night because I invited them. Because I took time to get beyond my mold, to leave my comfort zone, to leave the group that I fit into, to go join some people that other people would have said, they don't matter. But see, Jesus says every person matters. Can you you hear that? Can you hear that with open ears today? Every person matters. Donald Trump matters. Joe Biden matters. Nancy Pelosi matters. Well, I don't like their policy. That's okay. And you have a right to your opinion. But they matter to God, and you should pray for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? what? Here, here my Tuesday we're, we're voting on the next president of the United States, and you should vote. Absolutely. You should get out there and vote. But whoever is elected, you should pray for that person because the heart of kings and rulers is in the hand of God, and he moves them and shifts them as he wills. And we should pray for their prosperity and we should pray for their success it is disgusting to me to think that you would want a leader to fail just so you could say told you so that's terrible i don't want anyone to fail whoever takes office i want them to do a good job are you hearing what i'm saying do i have a certain stance yeah i have a certain stance what is it i'm not telling you because most of you haven't been listening to this message you would be like i'm not going back to that church i'm going to that church I'm not telling you what my stance is because my stance really doesn't matter in this platform. What matters is this. Jesus is king. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in charge. And every single person on this planet was created in his image and in his likeness. And there is a treasure inside of them that needs to be revealed. And we are here as the church To welcome them in so that Jesus could reveal the treasure. If you're watching today online, I want you to know that there's a treasure inside of you. You are loved by God. You are chosen by God. You are precious to God. And I don't care what you've done. Nothing in your life disqualifies you from the love of God. I was talking to a gentleman the other day on the phone and I was telling him, you know, one thing I had to get over before starting the church was the thought of everything I'd done in my past and what if this person goes back or this person or this person or that happens? And I had to realize that I'm called by God and I'm loved by God and nothing from my past is held against me because that's what the blood of Jesus does. It removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. God remembers it no more. So I want you to know wherever you're at right now, you can lock into this love of God and find a seat at the table. Father, I'm asking that you would touch their heart and touch their life. Move in a mighty and a powerful way. And Lord, draw them in to your kingdom. Draw them into your family. God, I pray for our family members and our friends that do not know you yet, Lord. Let us be the light to the world that brings them in to let them know that they have a seat at the table, that they belong, that they are children of God, loved by God. Lord, move in a mighty and a powerful way and touch every person in Jesus' name. Amen.